Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries, where we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. I am the host of this podcast, and my name is Shakira. If you're new here, I want to welcome you, and I want to ask you to go ahead and join us and subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on. And when you subscribe, you'll just be notified every single time we have a new episode, and that is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Now, if you're already a part of our Carefree family, I want to welcome you back. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for a new episode. So you all know how this goes. We give our little welcome and we hop into our Carefree updates. So let's hop right in, shall we? Now, first things first, Solange released her brand new album that I know that it wasn't just me that was waiting on her to release a new project. There were other people because I saw people's reaction on the Carefree Instagram. So, yeah, she released her album, and the name of this one is When I Get Home. It is her fourth studio album following up A Seat at the Table. Now, my personal favorite song from this album is Ben's. I think it's song 14, and I, I don't know, it's so simple. But I just love it. I don't know if it's that little drum in the back. It's very subtle as the song progresses. But I just really love that song. I haven't found a second favorite yet. But when I was listening to The Breakfast Club this morning, Angela Yee, she was playing like bits and pieces of like three songs she previewed for the radio. And one thing Charlemagne said was her previewing them like separately like that was not good for the song because when you hear it out of context it doesn't really make sense and he said it really is a full body of work and once I listened to I listened to the full album maybe like three times because I like to listen to albums over and over again and I also like to listen to them in my car because I just feel like when you listen to music in your car it's like a completely different vibe as opposed to listening to it on your headphones on your phone or However, I don't know. It just sounds different in my car. It might be psychological. I don't know. But after listening to it in my car and then twice, you know, in my headphones and I listened to it in my house this morning while I was getting ready, I was just like sold. But you do have to listen to the album from start to finish. Like it's not one of those albums where you can just play one song and skip to another. It is definitely not that kind of album, but I really do appreciate albums like this where um, it's just a complete body of work and not just some random songs that are thrown together. So I'm still excited about that. I'm probably going to listen to it one more time before I go to sleep. So that is our first carefree update. Secondly, what I wanted to talk about last week, but I didn't get a chance to talk about because I recorded the updates before I watched it. So I wasn't able to do it, but I watched the Oscars last week, last Sunday. And I will admit that the Oscars is not something that I I watch regularly, I guess you can say. I haven't watched the Oscars in years, okay? And this was my first time, possibly my first time actually watching it completely all the way through. But I was glad I watched it because I was able to see history being made in front of my eyes. So I'm going to give you a recap of some of the black winners. Mahershala Ali, he won for actor in a supporting role for his role in Green Book. I have not seen Green Book yet. There has been some controversy, shall I say, um, around that movie. So I've been kind of like dragging my feet to go see it. But eventually I will go and see it. 
Regina King, oh my gosh, this is my girl. She won for an actress in a supporting role for the movie If Bill Street Could Talk. And that movie was directed by um, Barry Jenkins. And it was based off of a novel by James Baldwin. He was a very great author. I have, um, I don't have that book, but I have three of his other books. So yeah, it was great to see her win. Another black woman, Ruth Carter, she won for costume design. She did the costume design for Black Panther. And fun fact, she also did the costume design for Malcolm X that starred Denzel Washington. And it was directed by Spike Lee. Also from Black Panther, Hannah Beachler. Beachler, yes. She won for production design and she was oh my gosh her speech she made me tear up she is from new orleans so that was the first thing she shouted out in her speech and she thanked ryan cooler for giving her a chance and allowing her to basically have creative freedom and she said that the opportunity really helped her realize who she was as a person and have more confidence in herself so if you go on youtube and you type in hannah beachler if you missed the oscars i would um encourage you to watch it because not watch the oscars watch her speech watch her acceptance speech because it was very encouraging and inspiring and lastly no not lastly spike lee he won his very first oscar after 40 plus years in the film industry much deserved definitely much deserved and that award was for um i think it was best adapted screenplay the writing for best adapted screenplay yeah and that was for his movie black klansman i did see black klansman twice and i thought it was really good and it was very in tune to today what we see today and if you've seen that movie you definitely know what I'm talking about. And now lastly, but definitely not least, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won for Best Animated Feature Film. And I'm including this because one of the co-directors, his name is Peter Ramsey. He is a black man. As I said, he co-directed the film. And he is the very first black man to, maybe the very first black person, period, to win in this category of animated feature film. And also Hannah Beachler, she won, you know, in her capacity with production design. She was the very first African-American woman to be nominated in this category and to turn right around and win it. So you were the history making for, you know, being nominated and then you turn around and win, sis? Like, you just gonna make history in one night twice like that? You gonna do it to him like that? Like that? Like, I was just so excited, y'all. And I'm still so excited. I have a huge smile on my face, but it was just so amazing to just kind of see black history and black excellence being put on display um, on a world stage like that and being able to witness history being made in front of your eyes is definitely a feeling that it's indescribable. So, you know, I'm still on a high from that, even though it's over a week later by the time you hear this, but it's something for us to celebrate because y'all know I was telling y'all, I think for the past two weeks, I've been telling you all how Black History Month was just a drag it was a drag and it was just, it didn't feel like Black History Month at all. So I was in desperate need of some positivity and the Oscars gave me that. Now, more positivity. This is maybe, I mean, the best carefree update that we have had ever. Um, Jaden Smith 
Will and Jada's son. He is partnering with a church in Flint, Michigan. So his company, Just Goods, they are collaborating with this church and the name of the church is First Trinity Missionary Baptist Church. And they announced on Friday that they'll be deploying a mobile water filtration system known as the Water Box. And it's going to reduce lead and other potential contaminants in the water supply in Michigan. So I'm thinking that um, the residents of Flint, Michigan will be able to bring their water to this mobile filtration system or maybe it will drive around so they can go to the different neighborhoods and filter the water through so i'm just very proud of jaden smith for doing that and in a way kind of putting his money where his mouth is because i feel like a lot of people who have the money sometimes say a lot about different things that are happening not only here in the United States but in the world period but I feel like very few of them actually do something about it so I'm very happy that he is leading the forefront on that because this was discovered back in 2014 y'all this is five years later that Flint Michigan still does not have clean water and it is absolutely ridiculous it's ridiculous and as the years have progressed they said that the um the donations of people sending bottled water has definitely been declining and I can understand why. It's almost like out of sight, out of mind. So when it first happened, people were very up in arms about it. People, you know, were like, what can I do? What can my church do? What can my organization do? Okay, we're going to send water. But as time goes on, like with many things that have occurred, um, you know, news coverage, the news people leave. They're no longer in Flint, and then they stop covering it in the newspapers. They stop covering it on CNN. They stop talking about it on social media. So I can see how the bottled water donations would decline, but I'm very proud of Jaden, and I hope that this will be an example for other celebrities and other people who have money because you don't have to be um, a celebrity to have money, but I hope that other people will join in and pitch in. So that is it for our carefree updates. I feel good about this week, y'all. I feel very good about this week. We had some positive updates, some things to make us feel good coming off of that tragic, tragic Black History Month we just had. Now let's have a word from our sponsors and then we're going to hop into our topic of the day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So before we get started, I do want to say that the title of this podcast episode was inspired by the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving AF by Mark Manson. Now, I've never read the book, so I can't tell you what it's about, honestly. I do plan to read it one day, but the library where I live is always like on hold. And when it's on hold, you have to sign up for a wait list. And the wait list just always looks way too long for me to sign up. So I haven't signed up for the wait list yet, but I'll read it before the year is out. However, 
I remember seeing everyone, it seemed like, reading this book. A few friends of mine read it when we were in college um, a few years back. When did this book come out? Let me check. Okay, yeah, so this book came out September 13, 2016. That was my last semester in college. So, yeah, I was right. Um, There were people that I went to college with reading the book. And then I just saw it, like, blow up on social media, people posting the book. And I thought it had a very interesting title. Again, I don't know what it's about, but that's what inspired our topic today. And I had this idea that the title would just be like a nice little pun or a play on words because instead of talking about the subtle art of not giving a F, we're talking about actually giving a So we are living at a very odd time right now. It's like we're hypersensitive to things that, in my opinion, are trivial. Like they don't matter. They're not going to matter at the end of the year, they're not going to matter five years from now. But I feel like we're also extremely complacent and unmoved by, unbothered by things that actually matter. And it's weird to say the least. But for as long as I can remember, I've always been like extremely, extremely sensitive to things that to other people may seem very small or insignificant. But for a long time, I wish I wasn't so sensitive to things. Um, it could be so extreme that just a news story could ruin my entire day. Example, I was at work last week and I saw a headline. I was, I read the news when I'm at work and I saw a headline and it was about this mother and her daughter that allegedly killed five of their family members. And while I'm reading along, I get to a sentence in the article and it says that the two of them, actually two of the victims were nine-year-old twin sisters And at that sentence, when I got to that sentence, I just had to close the internet browser because I just felt myself getting to a point where I'm affected by it. So that's an example. And that was just last week. So that should give you a good peek into me still dealing with like my hypersensitivity, I guess you can say. But I will wonder throughout my life, why in the world did God build me to be this sensitive it's like I want to I want to be able to not be affected by things that don't directly impact my life, you know? Why are the circumstances of strangers so important and important enough to me that I feel compelled to do something about it? And I still feel that way sometimes. Um I still like question why God made me so sensitive. But I'm also very much so thankful now as I've gotten older and I understand that the emotion I feel is just a part of my mission and purpose in life I know for a fact that if I had not been so affected by others I would not have created this podcast because I wouldn't have cared enough so there's that and in college one of the first classes you take is ENC 1101 or at least at FAMU that was the name of the class I don't know about other schools but at FAMU is the first English course you take. Now, when I took this class, the professor, she had us read a book. And for the life of me, I cannot find the name of this book anywhere. Have you ever had something like on your mind or you see somebody on TV and you're like, where do I know them from? I mean, anything, any little thing like that. That's how I feel about this book, because for the life of me, I cannot find the name. I don't know where the syllabus is for the class. And it it just bothers me, but I have been searching high and low for the title of this book and I can't find it. I've tried everything, 
But in the book, we had to read for class. The main character, she was a young girl, and she felt everything that other people were experiencing. So when someone got sick, if she saw them sick, it will make her sick. Um, When someone cried, she cried and so on. Like she felt people's pain. And she was what they called in the book an empath. I consider myself to be an empath as well. Not to the extent that she was so exaggerated to be in the book, but definitely an empath nonetheless. And empathy is a real thing. Y'all know me. I love my definitions. We haven't had a good definition for a few episodes, but empathy is defined as the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another person. I'm going to read that again because I know that was a mouthful. So empathy is the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another. Now, hold on to that. And with that definition in mind, it's important to understand the difference between empathy and sympathy. Dictionary.com says that You know, when you're looking at empathy versus sympathy, it says the terms empathy and sympathy are often confused and with good reason. Both of the words deal with the relationship a person has to the feelings and experiences of another. So both of them are dealing with um, how we are taking on other people's experiences, right? But it also goes further to say that sympathy is feeling compassion sorrow or pity for the hardships that another person encounters however empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of others great that's important to know because you can be sympathetic towards a person or a situation meaning you can understand it from the outside looking in or you can be empathetic which is like that extra step so sympathy to me sympathy looks at you through the gates Empathy is what makes you jump over the gate and experience whatever it is that's happening on the other side of that gate. Now, that's how I look at it. Now, everyone is not empathetic, nor do I think that everyone should be. I don't think everyone should be an empath or an empathetic person. The question was asked on Psychology Today, and the question stated, can you be too empathetic? And their response was, I quote, unlike sympathy, which simply means feeling sadness or pity for someone who is undergoing some type of hardship, empathy promotes selfless compassion and action on behalf of another person or a group of people. While this sounds like a positive, highly ethical and well-principled practice, some people believe having too much empathy can be detrimental to one's own well-being and even to the world at large. Too much empathy interferes with rational decision-making, causing us to lead with our hearts rather than our heads. Therefore, losing the broader picture or long-term consequences of overly empathetic behavior. So that's the quote, the entire quote. And that's why I say I don't think that everyone should be empathetic. It can feel like a very heavy weight um, that you're carrying and you can't shake. It takes a lot to learn how to carry that weight, maybe even a lifetime, because I'm still learning how to carry it. So while we aren't all empaths, 
we can all just start by caring a little bit more than we do about things, aka we can practice the art of giving a f So I'm scrolling on Pinterest the other night and I was looking through one of my old like inspiration boards and reading some of the quotes that I had pinned to it a while ago. And I found one and I wanted to, I felt like it was good to incorporate into this podcast episode. So I dug a little bit deeper just to find out who said the quote. And his name is Charles M. Blow. He is a journalist and an author and he's African-American. I did not know when I pinned the quote, but it just happens to turn out that way. But the quote says, one doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm. The absence of empathy and understanding are sufficient enough. And if that ain't the truth, how many times have we seen people um, do certain things to other people or even do things to you? Or how many times have we seen politicians say things that are extremely insensitive? And then when they're called to the carpet on it, their first response was, I didn't know it was offensive. So just like this quote says, you don't have to operate with great malice or intent like you don't have to, as a person, you don't have to have the mindset or the initial intention to say, I'm going to hurt their feelings when I say this. Let me say it. Or I am going to affect the lives of millions of people when I vote yes on this um, law. Like, you don't have to go in there with that mentality. You can go in there with just not having empathy and understanding of other people living different lives than you, other people having different incomes, other people having different ethnic backgrounds than you. And that will be enough to cause extreme damage to the lives of other people. So that's what this quote is saying. And I thought that it was so important just to incorporate because right now I feel like it's, it's like I said, we're living at an odd time. Yes. But it also feels very familiar. I'll say that. It feels very familiar. And it reminds me of the 50s and 60s when we have politicians saying the N-word, like the politician from, I believe, Maryland. She was a Democrat and she was in a bar and she she was talking about campaigning in a predominantly African-American district. And people overheard her call it the N-word district. Now, I believe the percentage of African-Americans in that county, I want to say it was Prince George County. I may be wrong, but it's like 65% black. So when people called her on it, her response was like, I'm sorry, you know, pray for me. And it's, it's time out for that. It's time out for our politicians and our leaders thinking that it's okay and that we're going to forgive them for saying words that they should know better. And she, her response was more so like a, forgive me, I'm sorry, but not a, I should have known better. And I'm very sick of that. It's just reminding me of like back in the days. And I feel like as a people, we aren't putting enough emphasis on those occurrences as we're putting on things that are extremely trivial, things that do not matter. Do you know how many times I have seen, uh, what's the child's name? Kylie Jenner and Jordan Woods and Chloe and Tristan's name on my Twitter feed and my Instagram feed. Oh, by the way, y'all, I unfollowed the shade room um about two weeks ago and I feel extremely healthy now that I don't see all of that toxic stuff every day. 
just a side note. But um, how many times have I seen that this week alone just from a kiss? And we don't give that same energy to things that are actually impacting our lives. And I'm not I'm not a person that is a either or kind of person. I'm not telling you that you can't be up to date in pop culture and, you know, not you know, be involved in your community. I'm saying you can do both. It's both. And you can be up to date on what's, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians. And you can also be keeping up with MSNBC or CNN. Like it's not either or it's both. And, and I just want us to do better about that as people, because that goes along with empathy. We have to be more empathetic. And also we have to get out of the mindset where, if it's not directly affecting me or if it's not directly affecting my family, I don't care. That's a very toxic kind of mentality to have because back in the day, if our people had that same mentality, if people in the North were like, well, we free, I don't know what they doing down there. Imagine where we would be right now. So, and I know it sounds extreme. I know it sounds extreme. But it's also very much so relevant to today. So we have to practice empathy and also practice sympathy, having sympathy for others. So I want to talk about how we can actually move towards starting to care a little bit more about other people. First things first, you're not going to save the world in one day. You're not going to save the world in a year. Okay. And you can't do it by yourself. So don't be hard on yourself. But start small small acts of kindness go a extremely long way I remember it was about let me see I'm in my third year this is going to be the fourth year so around let me see let me do the math in my head 2014 I was it was late at night and I don't know where I was going probably a party or something because it was like one o'clock in the morning And I remember driving on one of the busiest streets in the city where I live. And I was at a stoplight and I looked to my right. I looked out of my passenger side window and I saw a man sleeping on the bus stop. It was, y'all, it was cold. It was like 40 degrees that night. And, you know, he was curled up in a blanket. He was laying across the bench where the bus stop is. And then I remember another night where I had just left the club. And y'all, I'm really not a clubbing kind of person, but... At that time in college, I was. Now, I had just left a party, and there is a huge lake where some of the homeless population in my city, where they hang around, right? And the city had just knocked down one of the homeless shelters. So the first homeless shelter that we had in the city, they knocked it down because they wanted to move these commercial real estate businesses in. Mind you, they knocked it down where we only had one homeless shelter left, and it was extremely far and out of the way outside of where the homeless population hangs out so this is after they've knocked it down and i'm leaving the club and i see i look over around this pond where the lake is and i see a guy and again it's like two three o'clock in the morning and he's laying on the grass sleeping and it just broke my heart um like i told y'all i'm an empath so that bothered me and i still remember it vividly and it bothered me enough for me to want to do something about it so after those two instances those were really like the driving factors for me to want to start my Christmas drive so although I knew you know 
I'm a college student. I'm in grad school. I can't, you know, I'm not rich, so I can't like buy houses. I can't provide shelter for them, but I can do something. I can start small. So that's when I started my first Christmas drive. Um, We donated toys to a children's shelter. We donated blankets and socks and stuff to the homeless shelter. And this year is going to be our fourth year doing it. And it really has grown. So I mean, I didn't even count how many gifts we gave away last year, but it was a lot to the children's shelter, to a um, to Hope community in my city because that's where single moms live with their children. And the homeless shelter, we gave away food, snacks, you know, clothes. And you can start small just in that same manner. It doesn't have to be a full-blown event. If you see someone hungry and if that bothers you, you can buy that person a meal. And don't be discouraged when I've had many people say, well, I bought, you know, this person a meal that was standing on the corner and they told me they didn't want that. So I'm not giving, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. Don't let one person discourage you from doing good. Don't do that. We aren't judged by the actions of others, but we are judged by how we respond to them. So when someone, you know, if you meet a bad apple in the bunch and they say that don't let that stop you from someone who maybe is hungry next week and they will appreciate that meal so that's just one example you can start small it doesn't have to be extreme you're not going to change the world overnight and that's okay another way that you can practice giving an f about other people is taking a second to listen so how many times have you you know, you wanted to vent to someone, right? And you didn't really want a response, but they felt like they had to respond. And then it just killed the mood. Like, and you like, the only thing I wanted to do was vent. I didn't really want your input that much. Practice that with other people. So sometimes people don't want you to give them advice. Some people don't want life advice from you. Some people just want to be able to have a conversation or vent about things and get things off of their chest or off of their mind. Be that listening ear for them. Be that sounding board. I know that we are all super, super busy and important human beings. I know. But how long does it take to just listen to somebody? Call a friend and just say, hey, how you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? What's going on? And sometimes people want you to respond back. Sometimes people don't. And I saw a good thing Um. I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw it somewhere. It may have been some social media platform. I don't know. And it said, before you respond to someone, say, do you want me to give you input on this situation or do you just want me to listen? And that's a great preface when you're having a conversation with someone who wants to vent to you or get things off of their chest. You know, ask them, do you want me to just listen You just want to get it off or do you want me to respond back to you with how I feel about the situation? Because sometimes people give you their input. You don't really ask for it. (laughs) Let's let's just keep it real. So that's one thing. And it doesn't have to just be a friend. Y'all, I have had people in strangers in the grocery store stop me and vent about their grandchildren, vent to me about their jobs. And I just came to the conclusion that. I think that God sends people to me when they are at their wits end and I just have to like, you know, stop 
and listen and everything, you know, will work itself out, whether I'm late to whatever I'm going to or whatever, you know, because you just never know what people are going through and you just never know, you know, what have what may have been their next step. Because I don't know how many of you all have, you know, been with me from the very beginning, but one of my episodes I talked about um, I don't remember which one. I wish I could recall, but one of the past episodes I talked about how my mom was at work and she was in the elevator with this girl who was usually, you know, always cheery and happy and one morning she got in the elevator and she didn't speak and my mom thought it was odd, but you know, she was like, I'm just gonna give her her space because, you know, human, that's what we do. We always say that, Oh, she seems kinda standoffish, let me leave her alone. But sometimes you have to invade people's space like that. Hey, are you okay? You seem kind of odd. But my mom didn't do that. And then that same girl, she went on to um commit suicide that same day. And my mom still, to this day, this was years ago, my mom still to this day wishes that she would have said something. So be that person for someone else, even if it's a stranger. And the last little piece of advice I have, at least for today, when it comes to practicing giving a f about people is use your voice sometimes i feel like we think um our voice isn't going to add to the greater good it's not going to um provide that echo that we need to substantiate things that are occurring now i'm here to tell you differently black people we have so much power and i really feel like We underestimate that power. And sometimes I feel like we just take it as a joke. I don't know what it is, but um, black politics, black music, black art, black community, black teachers, black education, black college students. We are so powerful when we join together as a whole and we start really emphasizing what we have to say and providing support to other people. So example, where I live. Um, we have the south side of town. And I don't know about y'all, but south side where I live is like um where the highest concentration of the African American population is. I'll say that. I'm not gonna call it the hood or nothing like that, but it's where most African Americans live. I don't live on the south side of town, but I did attend school on the south side of town from kindergarten through twelfth grade. I went to preschool on, you know, the street that is most uh, associated with the south side of town. I went to preschool there. I hung out after school on the south side of town. I went to a community center on the south side of town where I took African dance lessons. I attended piano lessons on the south side of town. So my entire life is concentrated on the south side of town where I live. Recently, there were plans to build this police headquarters to knock down these buildings where businesses already exist. And my brother is employed in one of these businesses. So they wanted to knock it down and put a police headquarters there. And I was not having it, not on my watch. Y'all know that Yonla uh, clip. I don't know what season it is, but she's like, not on my watch, not on my watch. That's how I felt about them making those plans. And I felt like that because, first of all, the over-policing of the African-American men in our communities. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. We are way too familiar with it. Putting a police headquarters on the south side of town where most of our black men are is not going to do anything but add to the over-policing of them. Not on my watch. 
Secondly, you have businesses that have been there for years and years and maybe will be there for years and years to come. And you want to come and knock them down and put those people out of um, business and out of employment. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And secondly, placing that police headquarters there is not only going to add to the over-policing of our black men, also going to put those people out of employment who have had jobs in that um, plaza for years, but it's also going to disrupt the community as a whole because once that police headquarters would have went there, every surrounding business, every surrounding black business around that headquarters was going to be next to go. And I can guarantee you that. And that was just going to create an upheaval of the African-American people in that community and make them move elsewhere. And just, again, not on my watch. Like, I have such strong ties and roots in the south side of my town, so I just was not having it. And I could have been like, you know what, they're going to move forward with it. I'm just not going to say anything. But no, I was vocal about it on social media. I had people responding to me on social media telling me that, you know, oh, you need to be quiet, like it's a good idea. No, you don't live on the South Side. And you're not going to tell me what I should and should not speak on when I'm entitled to my opinion just as much as you are. And if anything, I may be more so entitled to an opinion because this is where I came up and not you. You know, you can draw your own conclusions as to what kind of people had those messages when I was speaking up about it, but... There was so much uproar about it that the city finally decided to have a town hall meeting. They had one on the north side of town. They had one on the south side of town. The south side of town, listen, the attendance was 200 plus people. And that just goes to show, like, I was not the only person that had those opinions. I was not the only person that was, like, not on my watch. And after those town hall meetings, the city decided that they weren't going to do it. And that, my friends, is how you practice giving a F about things that are going on and not being discouraged and not feeling like your voice is insignificant or your voice won't be heard or your opinion doesn't matter. Don't let people silence you, especially when it comes to the lives of other people. That town hall had 200 people in it. Imagine if 150 of those people had the same thought that you know what? I shouldn't even go. Nobody going to be at that meeting. My voice not going to matter. But they didn't. They were there. So it's the same way. Like, speak up and speak out and don't feel like your voice is not going to be enough, especially when it comes to the circumstances of other people. And we also need to practice that not only within our small communities at home, but the nation at large. We have children in these detention facilities. Uh, What do they call them? immigration retention I don't even know what they call them but y'all know what I'm talking about the immigrant camps we've had children die in the care of those people at those camps or should I say lack of care of those people at those camps we have that going on we still have Flint Michigan without water it's been five years we still have that going on and so I mean it's so much y'all we got our politicians losing their freaking minds out here. We got people still calling the police on black people minding their own business at dog parks, trying to take pictures of their children on their first birthday at parks. It's just a lot. So we have to practice being more vocal and not just um, 
sharing things on social media it's good to share things on social media but also say something about it and call people out on their mess that's what we need to start doing y'all we need to start saying you know what not on my watch not on my watch and that's with the nation at large um moving down to our state moving down to our local communities and also moving down to the people that you just see on an everyday basis we just need to start caring a little bit more about things that actually matter we need to start giving a crap about things that matter and circumstances that are actually impacting us i don't want to sound like an old hen i don't want to sound like i'm 70 years old preaching to y'all but i do want us to practice just caring a little bit more about other people and then as a byproduct of that our friends our family our associates will see us caring about those things trying to help others speaking out about certain issues that not only impact us but may impact the lives of other people people that we may not even know for real but other people will see that and they will be encouraged to do the same so i encourage you to shine your light shine your light okay and also remember the quote one doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm the absence of empathy and understanding are sufficient enough Keep that in mind. And also, I want to share this Bible verse that I saw a few weeks back. And um, it's kind of stuck with me. And I feel like it just dawned on me that it might be um, good to share with you. All right. So it says it's Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. And I'm reading from the easy to read version. And it says, you are the light that shines for the world to see. You are like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your father in heaven. And I feel like that's extremely relevant to what we have talked about today. And I'm going to end it right there. I feel like that's a good note to end it. Don't forget, stay black and carefree. And we'll see you next week, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. for the brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.